From the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, I'm Sean McCraney, and this is Heart of the Matter, where we are learning together how to walk in the age of fulfillment. Our show tonight is the long show. It's called What Religious Leaders Rarely Emphasize. And I want you just to think about church. I want you to think about those buildings that maybe you have gone in for years. I want you to think about what the pastors tell you, what they emphasize, what they suggest, and then think about the message tonight. We'll begin with a prayer. Father, bless us. Help us to uh, get to the truth and to free people, liberate them with Christ. Bless Mags and Wendy as they get this out uh, to our viewing audience and to the archives. And help us as we move forth. Uh, forward in Jesus' name, amen. So, for nearly 2,000 years, I suggest that men, human beings, women, men, people, have been playing church. They have not been doing what God has described in Scripture. They have orchestrated church. The pastor dresses up, you know, in the past at least, in his Sunday's best. Today, they usually wear a Tommy Bahama shirt and or, or their uniform of clerical superiority. The congregation does the same. He pats it, he passes a plate and as people sing their hearts out to Jesus during the worship. And then he might deliver a message that mightily stresses all sorts of things, including obligations to conform themselves to the church's mission and to its identity, and to their leadership and authority, all in the name of the Lord Jesus and what is written in the New Testament text for people to believe and follow today. He tells those present that Jesus loves them as long as they play along. If he doesn't, they run in danger of hellfire. That means they better attend their meetings and support the church. That includes the social this coming Saturday night. They got to pay their tithes. Why 10% is just the minimum. That's the minimum of what the Lord wants those who are his to pay to his church. They want to obey Sabbath laws if you're from the South. If you really want to please him and you got to pray and you got to dress modestly and you got to stay out of the bars and you got to put away them cigarettes and all that other sinful stuff. He might say to be right with God, it means fighting Satan out in the street with all your might. He might even suggest how you need to vote. He might tell you how to treat them faggots down on the street corner and the lesbians and the women coming out of abortion clinics. It's all social now, social engineering, and it's the gospel of clean living. He might speak of uh, excommunication, which was done by Paul in the church at Corinth, and apply that to himself. And he might speak about God's rejection, how he's still angry, how his wrath is coming to be poured out upon the world in Jesus' name, and anyone and everyone who thinks or lives differently than themselves you know who they are, them Christ-killing Jews and them those carpet-riding Islamabads and them Mormons and the whore of Babylon Catholics and them evil whatchamacallits and the thises and the thats. Everybody, God dang, God dang, is condemned, condemned because they haven't done and received Jesus as the pastor wants them to receive him. And this whole game of church that Sunday morning may wrap up. It just might with a frothy message about the flaming fires. They have been burning since the beginning of time. God loves those flaming fires of hell. They are scorching right now and souls from babies to old men 
Good old grandmas, they are getting thrown in that place the minute they take their last breath from this mortal by because they didn't follow Jesus, they didn't do what they should have done with the church, and they weren't ready for Jesus' return or death. Nearly 2,000 years, millions of people buying into this stuff, perhaps billions of people, billions of people, when the Bible gives us a very different message. It's the message that they don't teach. What most Christian leaders fail to emphasize is a clear set of passages that show us a shift, a shift from religion that is played out and done and Jesus' finished work covering the earth. What's that shift about? It's a shift from external to internal. It's a shift from objective truths that you're supposed to comply with to subjective beliefs that you're responsible for. It's a shift from uh, a spiritual community, from a physical community that believes in spiritual things to a spiritual community that lives through physical means. What do people think when they hear the passage in Romans 7, 6, where Paul says, but now we are discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we could serve, ready, not under the old written code, but in new life of the Spirit, not in the form of the former written code. You don't read the written words and live by those. You live by the word of God in you, Jesus Christ and the spirit of Christ, which brings liberty. Some people will say, well, Paul's talking about the ceremonial law when he writes that. If that was the case, how do you explain the line so that we serve not under the old written code? Written code. He says, do not go and serve the written code. Now, he may not have been talking about the, the new, what we call the New Testament, but he still says, don't serve a written code. So if you're serving a written code in your church today, you're serving something wrong, even if it's what we call the New Testament. He says, but we serve in the new life of the spirit. The spirit, which is love, gives life. That's what we serve in. That written code, yeah, we learn from it and all that stuff, the history and what was done and how God accomplished everything, but we don't serve. Can you imagine if a woman came up to a pastor and said, Bishop, pastor, priest, pope, whatever, reverend, my boyfriend and I moved in together last year and we consider ourselves married. We're dedicated to each other for life. And we consummated our relationship and we live together now. Religion, religious men and women would freak out and they would say, you are a sinner. What are they basing that on? What, what do they suggest that the couple needs to do? They suggest the couple needs to walk into a building and have a man in flesh wearing robes or an outfit of some sort to say specific words that are absolutely without authority and with absolutely without any significance into the heavenly realm or the heart. 
And then to say that means you're not living in sin. That's not what the, the code of the spirit says. The code of the spirit says that the religious leader should say, well, that's between you and God. He knows your heart. He knows what's uh, between you guys and your decision. uh, Somebody who's walking by the Spirit would never say, you should come to me so that I can validate this marriage with a written form that I fill out and give to you. But that's what religion does. That's just an example of what pastors have built up around themselves to play church. And you can use just, just a wedding. You can just use marriage as an example of that. So, so, Anytime somebody who's an ecclesiastical authority is approached by somebody saying, hey, I want to uh, move in with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, that pastor is going to respond with a written code response instead of the spirit code because pastors do not teach what the scripture teaches. We play church by the rules of the church and a man and a woman have to stand before a man in the church to say some words from the church in order for them to be seen as acceptable in the church. That's called brick and mortar material religion. What about the spirit? What about the people and their liberty in Christ? What about the couple who says, we love Christ, we follow him, we've dedicated ourselves to him and each other in our union, and we're not going to have a pastor say some words over us. (gasps) All they're saying is we follow the spirit. Is that not allowed? Of course it's allowed in God's mind. He knows the heart. He knows what people's intentions are. No piece of paper is going to make that any different. But we don't do that, do we? Religion wants performance. It wants its hoops to be jumped through because it gives it power. It wants its forms completed and submitted, percentages paid. They want baptism by immersion with the proper words said They want all of it done in this organized way. And they say that is because that's what God wants. No, that's what men want. Romans 2.29 says it perfectly. Paul says, he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And real circumcision is a matter of the heart. Spiritual and not literal. His praise is not from men, but God. When you talk about that, you move from all the physical machinations of religion and you move into the spirit. That a real Christian is one from the heart. A real Jew is one whose heart is circumcised, male or female. Not just males in the old way of the law. It's a spiritual economy that was instituted by God where he writes upon our hearts and our minds as we are his. A matter of the heart that's spiritual, not literal. Even in Paul's day, when he was alive, he said, referring to himself and the other apostles, not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything is coming from us. Our competence, he says, is from God, who made us competent to be ministers of the new covenant. Do you ever hear about the new covenant? How can you hear about the new covenant, which God uh, uh, articulates in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34? How can you hear about a new covenant when you're sitting in a brick and mortar church that is demanding old covenant practices and an old covenant mindset? When the pastor is saying you got to use old covenant mindset in order to live with God now, but God says, hey, I'm writing it on your laws and your hearts. 
When the pastor says you got to obey 10%, when the pastor says you got to get a piece of paper, when the pastor says you have to dress this way, the pastor says you have to show up to church on this time, you have to sign our mission statement. When God says, my new covenant's when I write upon the hearts and minds of those who are mine. Paul says, he's made us competent to be ministers of the new covenant, not in a written code, but in the spirit, for the written code kills. The Spirit gives life. Want to kill somebody? Open up a book, point to it like this, and prove that the thing you're reading is condemning them. That's what the written code does. The fruit of the Spirit tells you to love. Peace, joy, long up, right? So you can choose to do church by the Spirit, or you can choose to do church by the written code, which is obsolete, which was done away with which was never part of the new covenant, according to God. Religious folk all over the world, well-meaning and I'm sure mostly sincere, are taking the collected apostolic records. They're citing chapter and verse like a written code. They ignore the fruit of the Spirit, which is agape love. All over the damn place, churches are focused on bigger buildings, bigger campuses, bigger outreaches, covering the world with more missional efforts, more pamphlets, more of this. What about Philippians 3.3, where Paul says, for we are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. People sit in church, they look at their pastor and they place their confidence in that pastor. And Paul says, we put no confidence in flesh, none. Well, if someone's sitting in the church and putting their confidence in a pastor and it's not in the pastor's flesh, what's it in? It's in the spirit of what comes out of the pastor's mouth, not the fleshly directives, not the things that apply to material religion. That's done. Again, what did Paul say in Romans 7, 11? He said, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, inward inward. And in 2 Corinthians 4.16, where he says, for which we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward woman is renewed day by day. Folks, while pastors and reverends ramble on and on about the, the rules of the game of church, with all of its demands and all of their devices, anachronistically borrowed and applied to the church today, God is looking at the hearts of all those who claim him. Nothing more. Nothing more. Hearts that are humble before him, contrite, real, authentic, spiritually driven, and led to bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. External anything will always amount to fakery in the hands of all people, idolatry, abuse, and laws that captivate and bind up the souls of human beings. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. From point A to point Z, liberty. I'm not so sure liberty in Christ is possible when it's couched in the material demands of men, no matter what they are. But you never hear this preached, ever. 